Okay, ask me if I have everything. Bags? Yes. Coffee? Yes. Boarding passes? Uh, yeah. Okay, where to? Welcome back. So what you just heard was our first intro. Thanks to Chris. He put that together for us. So thank you. Yeah, no problem. I like putting it together. And I think uh, my favorite part is the airplane sound at the end. Very organic since we live right underneath a flight path. So it's like I stepped outside and I just heard another plane landing. No, nothing new. Yeah, literally. And I feel like we um, touched on some things that we normally go over when we actually fly. Yeah, the ask me if I have everything line is a question that I always ask Chris right before he picks me up and we go to the airport. I'm like, okay, uh, I think I have everything, but I also think I'm missing something. Um, can you just ask me if I have random stuff? So it was very organic. Yeah, that's how I know the trip is starting. Yeah, literally. And okay, so we're going to start off with our segment called The More You Know. So we're going to go over one positive and one negative of our week. Chris, do you want to start us off? Yeah, sure. So I would say my positive this week is that we got to sit down and watch The Social Dilemma. Yes. That documentary blew me away. I didn't think that social media was that in-depth. I don't know how you feel about that, but it's making me want to get rid of all my apps. I am going to be honest. I thought it was a good documentary, but people hyped it up to be a lot more intense. I thought I was going to find out some really crazy stuff. And for the most part, maybe again, it's because people have been talking about it for like the past three weeks, everything everyone was talking about, I already knew. So it wasn't that big of a shock going into the documentary. It was still really great. And I recommend watching it. Um, but I didn't learn anything I already didn't know. But yes, it did freak me out a bit and made me want to delete all of my social media. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, on the flip side of that, I feel like the consumer is really in control of how much they spend on social media. So like personally, I'm like, oh yeah, like I can keep all this maybe because all you gotta do is limit your time. So it is what it is. I think one thing that really freaks me out um, is I have a sister who's 15 now And I think that her age group of kids just, they grew up on social media and seeing them just on their phones all day is like really scary because it's all they know. And it's just, I feel like we were lucky enough to where we like grew up kind of as social media was on the rise. And then now we're in our twenties, I'm 22. And so is Chris. And like, it's like prime social media time. But what's really freaky is like, I can't imagine eighth grade me having all of these platforms, including TikTok and just putting myself out there and like all of these kids, they're posting like actively and a lot. And I just like, I know when we were in eighth grade, Vine was a thing and I definitely posted some weird Vine videos and I'm so glad that that app is gone and those videos are destroyed hopefully because thinking about the things I posted are just like so cringy and weird so like all of these kids are just they're posting things that they think are so cool right now and not to hate on TikTok but like down the line like 10 years from now make sure that you can look back at those videos and still be like very 
proud and not embarrassed of them. That sounds kind of harsh. Well, you know what? I feel like TikTok has opened the door to people posting everything and anything out of the sun. And there's some cool trends on TikTok, but there's also some less cool trends. We're not trying to hate on TikTok. We both love it. I just feel like with Instagram and other platforms, I feel like there's a slight filter where... It's like an image you want to control. Yeah, and you want to be proud of the image. Maybe proud isn't the word I'm looking for, but... It's almost like a certain culture is accepted on some platforms and on TikTok. Like, you can kind of just put out whatever. It feels like there's no filter with TikTok. Or maybe when it started, there was. But as TikTok evolves, there's less and less and less of a filter. And it's kind of scary to see how far that will go before things get out of hand. And like we said, this isn't us hating on TikTok. We both love it. We both use it. But watch The Social Dilemma and then come chat with us. Yeah. And then... uh, Your negative, please. I think we're going to have the same negative. Yeah. I think it has to do with me being at work from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. every day. Um, It has been incredibly hard um, to sit through something like that. Especially since I'm not actually like... I'm still in training. So I have some time I want to go to sleep. I feel like starting any new job the first week of training is kind of misleading because it's overwhelming. You're, you're learning new things and you don't want to hate it, but it's also all of this information being thrown at you. So you're just like, Oh my God, like, do I even like this? Did I do the right thing? Did I make the right decision? But I think you'll start to like it as you get more comfortable and as you not get better at your job, but just start doing stuff that isn't training. No, yeah, exactly. And it's like right now, or it's like a lot of information overload. And like you're saying, once I get in the groove of it, once I get a hang of it, all these things that I'm supposed to be doing will be a lot easier and I can't wait for it. What do you have to say about your week, Monica? All right. Never thought you'd ask. So my positive... You know what? Maybe I'll start with my negative just since we're on this topic. I would say my negative is the same as yours, but from a slightly different perspective. Um, it was weird uh, this whole week, these past two weeks, really. Chris and I went from being around each other all day, every day as quarantine happened. And then the after quarantine kind of was going on. And then all of a sudden, overnight, I feel like I didn't see you for two weeks. And not literally, but it was definitely an adjustment. And I didn't think it would make me as sad as it did. It's hard, I know. Because, like, you know, you go from, like, a routine and then once you've established something you do every day, it's kind of different. And, like, it made me realize how big of a part you play in my everyday life. And like, not to get corny on you guys, but like, I really do look forward to talking to you and like telling you all these little things that happen throughout my day. Like, hey, I was on my bike the other day and I got a nosebleed and it sucked. And it's like so little. True story. Yeah, very true story. Very scary experience. Guys, I was not to get TMI, but this isn't really that TMI. I was riding my bike outside because the weather got nice again. And I am literally probably 12 miles away from my house. Like I am 
at the turning point of my bike ride where I turn around and start heading back home and I feel this warm sensation go down my nose and I'm like, oh, don't worry, I have tissues with me. As as the weather's cooling down, you gotta bring you gotta bring some Kleenex with you on your bike rides because nobody likes a runny nose. So I was like, no problem. Let me just pull out my tissue. Next minute, I have blood everywhere and it wasn't cute. And I also was, I had two pieces of tissue. So for anyone that gets nosebleeds frequently, you know that two pieces of tissue will not cut it. I didn't know whether I should stop biking and try to just let my nose bleed out or if I should try to make it home as soon as possible. So I kind of stopped for a second and I was like, you know what, this isn't stopping anytime soon. So I was like, you know what, thinking back at this and like saying it out loud, this is really, really not smart. I was like, I'm going to start biking. I'll hold the tissue to my nose, but the breeze coming at me, it'll dry the blood right up. No, no, that doesn't happen. No, don't do that. Um, I think I biked for a solid 15 minutes with one hand to my nose and one hand on my steering wheel, on my brakes. Um, people were looking at me like I was crazy. I had blood all over my sunglasses and my cheek. So I looked like I just got punched in the face. And what was funny is that I was at a red light and some person in a car was trying to get my attention to like move over so that he can make a right turn. And I, he honks at me and I turn around to see what on earth he could possibly want. And guys, I was so agitated about my nose bleeding in such a inappropriate environment that when this man honked at me, I gave him the look of that look could have killed someone. I was not having it. I turned around and in my head, I was like, what on earth could this car possibly need that is more important than my nose bleeding? And his face, when he saw that I had blood, like a bloody tissue in my hand, because at this point, the tissue was soaked. It was just there for decoration. He, like not apologized, but he did that that car thing where he like picks up his hand and he was like, yeah, he was like, you're good. And I was like, yeah, I hope you got any tissues, buddy. But a couple minutes after that, my nose stopped bleeding. I made it home. I had dried blood everywhere. I looked like a zombie. So great for October. But yeah, that kind of went on a little bit longer than I wanted it to. Let's move on to my positive. Let's hear it. Um, My positive was that I was having a bad week hence my negative. And I decided to do a little bit of self-care and I started off with going to cryotherapy, which was great, much needed. After not going for a couple weeks, it definitely felt really good to go. And then I also went to my massage therapist and I got some cupping done on my back, which was really great. I was experiencing some neck pain, which solved the problem. And I have some beautiful cupping marks on my back now. And the weather was great this week. That's another positive. I will take summer weather any day. Any excuse to wear shorts. Those are my positives. Thank you for listening to my TED Talk. I think the positives outweigh your negatives for this week, if I'm being honest. 
Yeah, the the bloody nose story was definitely it's something I'm never going to forget. That's for sure. And my bike will definitely never forget it because there's blood everywhere. Yeah. And you know what? Honestly, even though we've both kind of gone through like this change of not being able to see each other as often, I still think we're trying to make it work as much as we can. And it's only coming up better than it was. This podcast will become couples therapy. Yes, it will. (laughs) Okay. Moving on to this week's episode. So as you guys saw, if you follow our Instagram this week, we're taking you on our trip to Lisbon, Portugal. So we were in Lisbon for literally 36 hours, if even that. It was great though. And I would honestly go back in a heartbeat. Lisbon is so underrated. Tell me I'm wrong. No, I completely agree. It was probably the most insane experience that I like didn't expect to have. I thought we were going to show up in Lisbon, sleep over, like sleep the night, and then get back on the plane. I didn't think we'd see any cool. My expectations for it were definitely nothing crazy, and it blew all of my expectations. It kind of reminded me of San Francisco. If anyone has been, it's very, this isn't a real word, but I'm going to use it. It's very like hilly. Yeah, it felt like there were a lot of rolling hills. Yeah, lots of ups and downs, cable cars everywhere, which is just like San Francisco. It feels like they make great use of their space. Like, everything is jam-packed in a good way, though. Yeah, yeah, and I feel like all the, like, they make great use of their space, but I also feel like they make it fun and they have some really vibrant colors that, like, really made the city stand out. Yes, it's very, very colorful, and I was not expecting that. And then I think one of my favorite things about Lisbon was that when you look out into the skyline at any point, anywhere you were in the city, you just saw all of these homes that were on hills. That sounds so strange, but it almost, it reminded me of like Greece. And I've never been to Greece, but I like to imagine that that's what it looks like. I posted a video on my Instagram, or I'm sorry, on the podcast's Instagram. So if you're having trouble visualizing what I'm trying to get at, definitely check that video out. But without further ado, let's get into it. So the way we were able to go to Lisbon was kind of on accident. We had booked a trip to Italy and we got very cheap flights. I want to say like $500 a person, which was wild. Um, Had to take advantage of that. And the catch was that we had two layovers in Lisbon. So going into Italy, We had maybe, what was it? Maybe like a two-hour layover. Nothing crazy. Super short. And then we went from Lisbon to Italy. And then on our way back, we had a overnight layover. But the way the overnight layover worked was we arrived in Lisbon around like four o'clock, I want to say. And we left the next day. Right around six no earlier earlier like Mm -hmm. three o'clock right yeah i want to say it was like three and we made the most of it it was like a free trip to lisbon that's the way i like to look at it and the 36 hours or 24 honestly it was like 24 hours yeah i think it was like like on the dot 24 hours it wasn't enough but it was enough to see what we saw and made us want to go back With Lisbon being so jam-packed with things, 
it was great because we were able to walk everywhere and explore the city at night and then the next day in the morning. And we never had to get into an Uber to drive somewhere, which that would have taken time. And we just kind of like, we just walked around. And like, I, I, that's all I would recommend for Lisbon is just walk around and pretend like you're a local because what we saw was just, it was insane. Yeah. You know what? And honestly, the cooler part of Lisbon is that you're never more than like three, four miles away from something. It's, I would even say, sorry to cut you off, no more than two miles. Yeah, no, exactly. No more than like two miles away. The harder part that I struggled to adjust with was that, was that like it's two miles, not accounting for like the hills. So you might go up like 600 feet, but then like that's like 0.1 mile. Yes, we that's actually really funny because that just brought back so many memories. We would look back. We would look up on our GPS, how far away we were from somewhere. And we'd be like, oh, like 1.1 miles. Not bad. Not bad. Let's do it. And then next thing you know, we're huffing and puffing up six staircases. It is so steep, guys. It's, yes, the one mile is definitely, it feels like six miles. It's insane. Yeah. You definitely get some good cardio in. Like we were walking and Monica's like, oh, like how far are we? And I'm like, we still have like 0.8 miles. And she's like, there's no way. We've been walking for like 15 minutes now. And we're pretty fast walkers. Like we are actually sprinters. We walk very fast. Yeah, exactly. And like to that whole point of like the hills and like not being accounted for those miles, like taking an Uber is also challenging because their streets aren't really like built for cars either. So you'd spend more time waiting than you would be walking. They have one main street in the area that we stayed in and the Uber would like take you down that main street and then drop you off. And you'd still have to walk like at least half a mile because all of these places that you want to go to, they're like in alleys that you can't drive a car into. It's like crevices and crevices and it's all twisty and turny streets that are really cute and colorful, but they're not ideal for cars. Yeah. Yeah. I think I remember when we first like got to Lisbon, our Uber was like, oh, yeah, your stay is, like, right there, but we have to go, like, make a loop first because we can't actually just go straight there. And it I was do the most bizarre that. thing in the world. It was, like, what could have been a five-minute, two-minute drive was, like, a ten-minute thing because we had to make so many loops. Yeah. But that brings me to the point that – I don't know if I already mentioned this, but the airport is 15 minutes away from town. Fantastic. Ridiculous and close, like – like seven miles. It's amazing. It's a blessing, but also a curse because we don't know what going to the airport on time means. Oh, be at the airport two hours before your flight. So in Monica and Chris terms, that means be at your gate at boarding, not a second earlier because you're wasting time that you could be exploring the city. So be careful with that because we definitely pushed our luck as we always do. Yeah. Well, you see the hard part is that like when they start boarding, they start boarding with, like, group one. And you're not part of group one. So why show up when you're not going to be there? Yes. So like, We are never group one. We are, like, group eight. But what's funny is that even though you're group eight, it's a matter of, like, three minutes before they get to you. But in my head, I'm like, oh, I'm not group one through seven. I have, like, an extra two hours. I I really vividly remember us getting food right before we called our Uber to the airport and me panicking 
per usual in the back of the Uber because this was like our flight home home. Like we just went on like a seven day, no, it was like a nine day Europe trip. And this was our flight home. And I was frantic. I was like, oh my God, we're not going to make it home. It's a common theme in our travels. And to make matters even worse, we were trying to talk to our Uber. We always do this, or I always do this. Whenever I get uncomfortable that I might miss something, I try to ask the locals what their opinion is. Because, for example, if someone came up to me and was like, hey, I have a flight leaving O'Hare at six. It's five. What time should I get there? I'd be like, sister, relax. Get there at 5.55. Don't even sweat it. And I was kind of hoping that our Uber would read the room and see that I was frantic and near tears and calm us down and be like, oh, your flight's not for an hour. You should be okay. False. He was like, you need to be at the airport two hours before you're going to miss your flight. And I was like, oh my goodness, I just want to go home. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, we got this. (laughs) Also a common theme. But back to Lisbon. So let's talk about where we stayed. It was an Airbnb called the Original Guest House Lisbon. And honestly, I wouldn't stay there again. Two out of ten. But not for reasons that it was like dirty or bad location. It was a great location. It was super clean. But what we didn't realize is that Lisbon is very affordable. Everything there is very cheap. And we could have gotten a beautiful hotel or even a beautiful Airbnb for that same price that we spent on this. And it was kind of like a hostel would you say it was like co-living yeah it was literally like co-living and they like so you had you like rented a room and you had to get through like the front lobby basically to go to the bathroom and it wasn't a bad experience per se it was just different and like 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 you're saying for the money if we had known in advance we could have gotten something a lot different it felt like we didn't really get much privacy and i just Sharing bathrooms freaks me out sometimes because I don't want someone to walk in on me and I don't want to walk in on someone. And I just like having my own bathroom. I'm a weirdo. Well, like, see, it's one thing to share share a bathroom with, like, friends or, like, your family. But it's another thing to share your bathroom with, like, a complete stranger and you're in there for, like, 15 minutes and you're, like, they're probably, like, freaking out out there. Yeah. I always think that people are getting annoyed that I'm taking super long. So, yeah, that definitely gives me anxiety. But the location of the Airbnb, I would say, was prime. It was right next to something called Elevator de Santa Justa. I'm going to botch all of these names, just letting you know ahead of time. But the Airbnb was in a great location. It was in Baja. I'm so sorry if I'm mispronouncing that. I probably will mispronounce a lot of these names because they're very foreign foreign but it was right next to Rusio square and essentially the street that this guest house was on was kind of like a a shopping strip i want to say it was really cute it kind of reminded me of i don't want to say a michigan avenue because michigan avenue is so flashy i was just thinking that though uh, but kind of just the shops were a little homier and it was a lot of restaurants and a lot of outdoor seating. People were 
eating, drinking, having fun. It was a great environment to stay in. Yeah, it was like where you wanted to be. Yes, it was like the epicenter of everything. And the best part was that everywhere we had planned on checking out the next morning was no more than a mile away, as we mentioned earlier. Um, But fun story, that night we decided to go eat at this restaurant called Fauna and Flora. And I found this through Instagram and I follow one travel blogger and she posted about it and she was raving about how much she loved it. It was a vegan restaurant, which neither Chris nor I is vegan, but it looked really cute and they had hummus, which I love hummus. And it looked really good too. It did. It did. They looked like they had good options. And I was like, oh, let's go here. It looks cute. Like, let's check it out. And that's another thing is that Lisbon has so many cute, healthy, which I'm a sucker for, cafes. It's like California, but in Europe. Anyway, so we're walking this mile and a half to Fauna and Flora. We are starving. It's getting dark. We're also in the middle of Lisbon, and we're kind of just walking based off of our GPS, and it's getting a little sketchy. Like the lights are dying down. We're no longer in the epicenter. We're kind of just walking through these alleyways and side streets that are all starting to look the same. And I was getting a little freaked out just because we don't speak the language. We don't know the area. We're going to a restaurant that, I mean, yes, it exists, but we were kind of just walking aimlessly, if I'm being honest. And the other thing is that because the streets are so like twisty and turny, Sometimes the GPS would just like make a 360 and almost say that you were going in the wrong direction, but it was just the GPS freaking out. Yeah, exactly. Like when we were walking, the streets are so close together that it'll pick up that you like turned, but like you're still actually going straight. And it's like, you know, I stopped and I'm like, wait, 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 we got to go right. And it's like, oh, wait, no, 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 we're going the right way. And like the streets in Lisbon, they're not straight and they're not like grids. It's just kind of like, wherever you want to go. My pants like squiggles. Yes. And at this point we have hiked the Stairmaster for like 15 minutes. Thoroughly. And I'm like, Chris, you cannot tell me that it has taken us 30 minutes to walk a mile. Like this is, we had to make a wrong turn somewhere and I'm just getting stressed. We're in the middle of nowhere. It's dark. It's also, here's the best part. Try calling an Uber. Oh, that's right. You cannot because there is no street. That's right. Yeah. Like calling an Uber is incredibly hard. If you were to try to call one, it'll tell you that it's coming in 10 minutes. And then that's like a hard maybe. But also we don't have 10 minutes. Like God forbid we were in trouble. This is also like really scary to think about. And Chris, maybe cut this out if, if, if you don't want to keep it in. But I was thinking, what if something happened? Do I call 911? You see, I'm not is- sure. What's their nine one one? I think it's like nine nine nine. But but do other countries? This might be a stupid question. Do other countries have a different phone number for nine one one? Yeah, I think it's for the most part. I think now other countries are adopting like nine one one, but I still feel like in a lot of places it's still like nine 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 or zero zero zero. It's something really simple. That's. I know it's crazy to think about, but I I listen to a lot of true crime and I watch a lot of true crime. It's But it's hard because like, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but like, even if we called them, what are we going to tell them? Hey, we're in Lisbon. 
yeah. find us. Yeah. Because, like, we don't know the streets. We could be like, oh, the street that turned left off the right street. And it's like. And maybe that was just, like, hangry me jumping to, like, a scary scenario. But, guys, if you were, like, in our shoes in that moment and it just, like, like I'm saying, it went from this lively city to just complete, utter darkness. And we also just climbed so many flights of stairs. And there were, like, people walking by. And they were, like, clearly looking at us. Like, we had no idea what we were doing. And there's me and then there's Chris. And Chris is staring at his GPS, trying to guide us in the right direction. And then there's me, like, Chris, are we far away? I'm so hungry. But we ended up making it to the restaurant. Very, very, very hungry, very thirsty, excited to eat. Honestly, if you put grass in front of me, I would probably eat it with a smile on my face. Like there's something about traveling because this was also, this was also the day that we had traveled from Italy to Lisbon. So we had already had like a full day of travel under our belt and it's hard. You have to focus a lot. Yeah. And so that's just to describe how hungry and tired we were at that point. And we get to this restaurant and the hostess comes up to us and this is my stupidity, but I should have checked what time the restaurant closed. And I also should have thought that it maybe would close since like it was a cafe and like cafes tend to close a little bit earlier than restaurants. They closed at eight. And I want to say at this point in our descent, it took us so long to get there that it was like 730. Like they were closing in 30 minutes and she was like pissed. She was not happy. She was like, we're closing our kitchen. Yeah. She was basically saying you can order, you can sit down, right? Like they rushed us to the table. They were like, okay, sit down, order. And I was like, okay, okay. Like I will like, just give me a second. And not that it was like hard to come up with something that I wanted, but I wanted like everything. And I kind of looked at the menu online, but I kind of didn't look at it enough to like be ready to like sit down and order right in that minute. And she was like hanging over our shoulders. Yes. I think that's what gave me like the most anxiety. And like now that we're telling the story, if I was her, I would probably be like, oh my God, these people are so annoying. Like, oh yeah. Like I felt bad for her. But at the same time, she kept coming up and I was getting like anxiety being like, okay, we like, we got to order. And then it's like, I don't even know what the menu is saying. And she was speaking like English, but not really. There was something that I was wanting to order and I was asking her what something was and she was not having it. She was like, oh, like, how do you not know what this is? And I was like, oh my God, I'm going to like, I'm going to start crying. Like, yeah, she was just like, order. Yeah, like basically. And I, I didn't want to order something that I was going to pay like top dollar for and then hate and then not eat because I hated it. I'm so picky with food, guys. So we decided to leave since we were just causing issues. And um, I ended up like really quickly Googling a place that we can go to because in a natural Monica fashion, all the cafes that I found were cafes and they all closed. Yeah. I learned my lesson. Disclaimer. Cafes close early. Got it. So I was a little bit on the spot, but I found us a place and it was called, I think I had put into my GPS, like healthy food near me because this is Monica traveling and Monica travels in health. (laughs) but um i looked up like healthy food near me and chris being the angel he is will literally eat anywhere so thank you for that no problem 
And we went to this place called Local, Your Healthy Kitchen. And honestly, my expectations were so low, like rock bottom. Guys, I was ready to eat leaves. I was like, I don't care what it is. Give it to me. And at this point, we were so over it. This place was like, I want to say like two miles away from where we were because we had walked so far. Like we thought we walked like 1.1 miles. I don't know how that all works, but we walked so far. Like with all the hills, it came out to be like literally like a total of like four miles. We were so far. I can't stress that enough. We had ended up ordering an Uber. He got there pretty quick. So we arrive at our restaurant and it was really, really cute. Like I thought it was going to be kind of like a, I don't, I, I don't even know. I just had no expectations for it. And it was like really cute. It was still a little bit slower because I think people were just starting to come in as we like were sitting there. It got busier and busier, but it was sort of like the butcher's daughter restaurants. Um, they're in New York and California. It was kind of like that. It was very like earthy and like wood finishes. It was really nice and and modern looking, but it wasn't vegan, which the butcher's daughter is vegan. Um, but we were seated. We ordered all of the food. So much food, guys. I think we got a hummus plate that was fire. It was fantastic. I think we ended up ordering, like, another one. With a we, ton of veggie sticks. Yes. We were like, can you please, like, replenish our plate? Like, we were running on empty. And then I got the most fantastic salmon of my life. It was so fantastic that I'm going to go into detail and explain it to you because I still make this at home because I love it so much. So it was quinoa mixed with arugula, salmon that was, I want to say oven baked. On top of the salmon was this hazelnut and orange blend. And it was so delicious. I, it kind of tasted like, like a, it was like a thicker sauce. I don't even know what to compare it to. It was like a, the, the, the salty salmon and like the sweet, hazelnut and orange blend with like orange shavings on top of it was just phenomenal and I could eat that meal for the rest of my life and then Chris got oh oh, I remember I got chicken with teriyaki noodles it was kind of cool was it the best meal you ever had it was insane (laughs) I didn't think that I was going to eat that well in Portugal not for like any other reason than you don't know the local like Food choices. Cuisine. Yeah, like cuisine. So like seeing something that like kind of familiar was really cool. Yes, and I think the fact that we were just both so hangry was just the cherry on top. But enough about that. Let's move on to our actual trip. Sorry for that tangent, guys. Um, okay, so after that, we had walked to this hotel. And this was actually really, really cool. The hotel was called... Hotel Mundial. And what we did was I found this place on Instagram and the views there were insane. And essentially, you walk into the front lobby, just like as if you were a guest at the hotel. And I think a lot of people did this because we weren't the only ones. And um, we took the elevator all the way to the rooftop. And at the rooftop, there is a bar and a restaurant and it's all outdoor seating. And the view of the city is unreal. I posted a video that I took at the very top on 
Where to Podcasts Instagram story on Saturday, and I will repost it when this episode goes live. But seriously, some crazy views. The city is lit up, and there is house music playing from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. No, I gotta agree. And like, it reminds me so much of London House here in Chicago. And the biggest, like, similarity but also kind of difference is that when you look out into like the rest of portugal it looked like we were in a bowl like with mountains on each side and like there's the like sea yes we were like in the epicenter of something but i couldn't put my finger on what it was yeah literally and there was like a castle on the left side it was just we keep saying it was very packed but it the city is just so full it's full of like life and full of buildings and full of it's just, it's so different than what we're used to. Yeah, they, like, make really good use of their space. Yes. Moving on. After that, we had headed back to our Airbnb to call it a night. Slept like babies. No wonder. The next morning, we woke up bright and early to start our mini adventure before our flight home. And we had walked uh, roughly a mile to the famous Pink Street. So essentially what this is, is literally just a street that is painted a bright Barbie pink. And so many people go here to take photos. It's really cool. It was nice to experience. I saw plenty of photos on Instagram before, so I kind of knew what to expect. It's something I recommend going to check out. Would I go see it again? Probably not. I got my photo and I moved on, but what the Pink Street brought to me, I will never be more grateful because it brought me to the Copenhagen coffee shop. Guys, I'm speechless. This coffee was immaculate. I am such a diehard Blue Bottle fan, but this coffee was next level. And to top it all off, I'm so picky and specific with my oat milks and nowhere in Europe has Oatly which is funny because it's based out of Sweden so you would think that all of Europe has Oatly but no they have like really weird oat milks and not all oat milks are good to be honest and I was over it at this point we were away from home for almost nine days now and I was drinking all these bad oat milks and like the coffee was great but the oat milk just wasn't cutting it for me and when I heard that they had Oatly, I dropped down to my knees and I could have cried tears of joy. It's the little things. The place was also huge and they had like four locations within like three miles. It was kind of cool, but we ended up going back there right before we left for the airport. We got our first coffee and we like raved about how much we loved it and we're like, we're gonna come back, we're gonna come back. And the guys were like, oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Everyone says that. Oh no, we came back. And we got another dose. It was so amazing. You guys need to check it out if you're ever there. After that, we made our way over to this little, um, I hesitate to call it a street. It's more of like another alleyway with like a drop down. But it was called Elevator de Bica. And this is where the infamous photos with cable cars happen. There's one cable car there that goes up and down this mile long hill once every like 15 minutes and you can pay to get on it and it's kind of like a little bit of a tourist attraction. It wasn't too crowded when we were there probably because we were there in February and that's not really like tourist season but it's really cool to see. It's a great photo op so definitely check that out. All the buildings surrounding 
the little alleyway are super colorful and it's it's straight out of a book. So that was called Elevator de Bica. It was a little challenging to find in Google Maps because you're literally walking to a cable car. You're literally walking to a parked cable car. But once you get there, it makes a lot more sense. So after that, we made our descent to Alfama, which is a little neighborhood that is precious. The views there are equally as amazing. Honestly, anywhere you go, the views are amazing. It was about a 30-minute walk from where we were, but that's because we kind of made it a 30-minute walk. We took our time, walked around. The best way to explore Portugal and the place in Portugal that we were was just to walk around. Honestly, I don't think... I feel like if we walked around less... We wouldn't see, you really need a, you can't, Portugal's one of those places that, yes, have an itinerary, but also just explore. Because we found some of the coolest lookout points just by getting lost. That's what it is. We got lost. Yeah, it's like we found them on accident. Yeah, it's so easy to get lost in that city because of all the tight turns and corners that just all look the same. So guys, just to summarize, my advice to you if you ever get a chance to go to Lisbon is just roam around, go to the cafes, drink all the coffee, enjoy all the oat milk because they have Oatly, go to the Pink Street, go take some photos with some cable cars, and enjoy the constant house music and just let yourself get lost and don't take any ubers yeah actually and it's super affordable so like you can't recommend it enough yeah literally flying there is so so cheap fly tap airlines it's the best can't say enough good things about tap airlines honestly it was a big upgrade from the only airline internationally we had taken prior to tap was wow air which was something else it was an experience but tap was great super flexible they were really good with our bags no problems no complications with all the layovers we had everything went so smoothly yeah they really do take care of you like on the plane yeah and the fact that our flights to italy were 500 dollars a piece insane unheard of and we got to experience so much Exactly. So with that, that wraps up this week's episode. Sorry it was a little all over the place, but we were only there for 24 hours. We hope you guys enjoyed. And with that, I'm Monica. And I'm Chris. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at where2podcast. And we will see you guys next Monday. Bye, guys.